listened to this High Plains Journal podcast. Wheat U, which was held in Wichita, Kansas, brought in a range of expertise on the wheat industry, giving an opportunity for producers to listen and learn from them. One of those individuals was the Vice President of Overseas Operations for U.S. Wheat Associates, Mark Fowler. U.S. Wheat Associates is the export market development organization for the U.S. wheat industry. High Plains Journal's Bill Spiegel took a moment to speak with Mark and discuss the opportunity for producers to leverage quality through how they market their wheat. As Vice President of Overseas Operations for U.S. Wheat Associates, my primary responsibility is just between our producers and our administrative office and our 15 overseas offices that we have stretched across the globe. So we have you know, 15 offices serving U.S. wheat producers in you know, 12 different time zones on five different continents. But U.S. Wheat Associates is an international marketing company focused on enhancing the export value and the quantity of U.S. exports of wheat you know, across the globe. As we become more competitive, so our mission at U.S. Wheat is even more important as we need to bring that value back to the producers. Mark, uh, we've talked a lot today at Wheat U about wheat quality and the importance of providing quality wheat to our international customers. Tell us a little bit about some of your presentation, if you will. So it begins really, you know, as the global wheat industry has become more competitive, we've got to drive the value back to the producers by being a the quality producer, not just the least cost producer in the export industry. So lots of producers are out there being the cheapest whether it's Russia, whether it's India, whether it's China, we need to be the best as far as quality and value. From the producer standpoint, that starts at the farm level. The farmer has to be able to to capture the grain and store their grain and become a more of a, of a grain marketer and not just a grain seller. If your grain seller is just taking the price the market offers, if you can control your grain on farm storage, do better price discovery, know the quality of the grain, then you can drive that value back to the farm level. One thing that we often hear, we haven't seen this the last couple of years, is that producers don't get paid for producing quality. Mm-hmm. The last couple of years, 2016, 2017, there has been a bit of a lack of quality on the market. So what can producers do to try and capitalize on what's kind of an iffy type of demand situation? Mm-hmm. Again, I would go back to the, you know, when I left Kansas State University into the milling industry, I left the farm behind, and the message I get back to my family was simply, if you can't control your grain, you can't control your price. So on-farm storage is the key. Good price discovery is the key. And being able to sell the grain on your terms and not just take the price that is available at harvest when you take the grain across the scale. So better price discovery, understanding the quality of the grain that you're growing, as well as being able to manage when you sell that grain by having good on-farm storage. Yeah. So there are things producers can do then to kind of control their own destiny, if you will. Absolutely. I I would argue that the producers who are marketing their grain are getting a better price for their grain than the producer that is simply selling their grain into the market at harvest or whenever, you know, they have to. There are demands out there. There are constraints out there that the producers may have to sell when it's not opportune due to, you know, financing situations or storage situations or uh, other grains coming off the field. But, you know, the better we can control our grain, the better we can control our destiny and control our own pricing. 
Thanks, Mark and Bill. That once again was Vice President of Overseas Operations for U.S. Wheat Associates, Mark Fowler, speaking with High Plains Journal's Bill Spiegel. This podcast brought to you in part by High Plains Journal and Indigo. K-State Wheat Specialist Romulo Lolato was also in attendance, and Bill and Romulo discussed high-yielding wheat. Romulo, thank you for coming to Wheat U. What growers really want to hear about is how to maximize wheat yields. You have an experiment that applies right to that. So tell us what, in a nutshell, what can growers do to push wheat yields a bit? Sure, Bill. So we have this uh, trial that we started actually back in Oklahoma in 2013. So we have now about, we're looking at 10 sites where we conducted that experiment. And it's pretty simple. We're comparing as many as 50 varieties at our standard management practice, producer practice, versus a more intensive practice. So a couple of fungicide applications, as well as an extra nitrogen, 40 pounds per acre. And what we're seeing is that the, the varieties are responding really differently, right? Some varieties are actually having a new drag with that extra nitrogen because there are varieties that don't really have much of a straw strength, right? On the other hand, we have varieties where we have a new gain of over 30 bushels per acre in some locations, which are varieties that are generally more susceptible to either stripe or leaf rust, and they have a good straw strength. That extra fungicide and nitrogen are really paying off. So the take home there is manage each variety according to what its strengths and weaknesses are. So that's our take home from that part. We're also looking at over seven years of data from the wheat yield contest in Kansas, learning several things that producers are doing on those high yielding fields as well, like adoption of fungicide, for example, seeding rates as well, no-till and some other practices that are helping increase yields. It's not only a small plot research, but we're also looking at on-farm research from data coming from those yield contest fields. Interesting, I think, that you alluded to <coughs> some of the varietal differences. Some varieties respond to high yield management, some do not. How do growers find out more about these varieties and maybe which variety might apply to their type of management system? That's an excellent question. And we as Kansas State University, we put out a publication. It's called MF991. And that variety we evaluated, we have years of observations in each one of those varieties. So there we're discussing strengths and weaknesses of each variety, as well as straw strength, maturity, disease ratings, insect resistance ratings. It's a pretty complete publication. Producers can just go on Google and Google it MF991 and they're going to get to that publication. Make sure you make good use of that. There's a lot of information looking at managing variety accordingly. You've done some work that dives into not only obtaining high yields, but also achieving a high quality. So what are some of the things producers can take from your research into that? Definitely just as important for us to keep high yields is keeping a high quality as well, so we have where to sell that product. And from our research, what we're showing, and that's a research that we're doing with uh, Dr. Ray Azevedo on campus, our precision ag specialist and his student, Ashley Lawrence. And what we're learning there is really that uh, we seem to maximize yields at a lower nitrogen rate, then we maximize proteins. In other words, as you keep pushing nitrogen, you first reach your max yields, and then after you keep increasing that nitrogen rate, that's when you're maximizing your protein. So if we are below about 11.5, more or less, below 11.5 protein, we are leaving yield on the table. That's some research that actually came from Colorado State, but we're complementing that research. So looking at several different trials that we had over the last two years, over 10 site years, we're showing that for Kansas, whenever we look at soil nitrate plus the amount of nitrate that we are applying as chemical fertilizer, 
We're maxing out yields at about 150 pounds of M per acre total between soil and what we're providing. And we're maxing out protein a little bit later at about 170. So if we're shooting for a high quality, we need to go slightly higher on our nitrogen rates. Does that need to be applied at a certain time to, to capitalize on quality or can we put it all on in the fall? What do you recommend? It depends on your system, depends on your soil, depends on where you are in the state, right? But if you're in a fine texture soil where you're less prone to losses, you can go all beforehand or you can split it with a spring application as well, as long as you have it on the root system whenever that crop needs, which is a, that spring green up. So if you're going that early up to jointing or so, we're still affecting yields and protein. If we're going later, so if you're going after boot stage, for example, you're only going to affect protein at that late. And it can be foliar broadcast, then we need to be worried about uh, leaf burn. It can be streamed on as well. But important to remember that our research is also showing that over 80% of all the nitrogen that the wheat plant takes up is taken up by flowering. After flowering, we have very little room to still do anything. So if we want to affect protein, it's very important that we go up to flowering and still have the nitrogen out there and available to the plant so it can uptake and translocate into the grain and make that protein. That was K-State Wheat Specialist Romulo Lolato. Bill also collected a few remarks from K-State plant pathologist Eric DeWolf. He focuses on diseases in wheat and other small grains, and wheat streak mosaic was what Eric preached this year with the severity of the issue being prevalent in Kansas, among other states. Eric, here at Wheat U in Wichita, and producers here are talking an awful lot about the big disease issue in 2017, which is wheat streak mosaic virus. Just tell me a little bit about how the problem occurred so badly in 2017. Well, wheat streak mosaic, as you know, is something that we've been dealing with here in Kansas for a long time. But this year really was an exceptional year for wheat streak mosaic with really exceptional uh, levels of disease intensity in many fields, particularly in parts of western Kansas. This year we think it was bad partly uh, by a combination of management decisions that were things that were set in motion last summer where there was a lot of volunteer wheat that was left in, in parts of western Kansas and then primarily mild fall temperatures where we have mild temperatures, warm fall temperatures well into November. That was K-State plant pathologist and wheat disease specialist Eric DeWolf. The main sponsors for Wheat U are High Plains Journal and Indigo. Additionally, we'd like to thank Polanski Seed, American Ag Credit, Landall, Kansas Wheat Alliance, and Intellifarms for their partnership with this podcast and the Wheat U event. Thank you for listening to this edition of the High Plains Journal podcast.